0: make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback. Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within. Combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at AudiAtlanta.com. And use the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online or shop in person on Petrie Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954, MSRP 49905, excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 531.24 with approved credit.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of Welcome to Matt Atlanta. I would be Matt or Matt Atlanta. I didn't give myself the nickname; I earned the nickname. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to this week's edition of Welcome to Matt Atlanta. All right, so let's talk about Eric Zier, the uh, kid, because uh, you're like um, upbringing a little different than mine. I I stayed in one place from the time I was, you know, born at Northside Hospital, and then you know kept playing and living locally in Atlanta. You've been somewhat of the world traveler. Take me through that.
2: Yeah, well, in, indeed I was, but it's the reason that you're so popular now, though, <laughs> is because you were you were born and raised, and everybody knows you and everybody loves you for good reason. Uh, yeah, me on the other hand, I, I was so I, I was an army brat, moved all over uh, the the U.S., lived in Europe, um, first two years of high school, as a matter of fact, in Heidelberg, Germany. Uh, in all, I, I think outside of some moves when I was. Uh, in diapers and don't uh, don't remember. 13 different uh, locations before I got out of high school and then was bad enough when I got into the pros and I bounced around there as well. So really until I was about 30 or 31, really never settled down. So I've been all over the place.
1: That's kind of crazy. So tell me about that life because talking to, as you said, the Army brat world or the, the guy who just moves, how rough is that to be the new kid so much?
2: You know, it it really wasn't rough. I I, I look back on it and so many more positives I, I think than than negatives uh, outside of when you get into into high school or, or even late middle school uh, and you move uh, on the economy so you 're not living on base or or with a bunch of other people that are that are moving around constantly where it 's really easy to break in uh, outside of those those moves the The, the ability to see different cultures uh, even the way people uh, act and interact in different parts of the country. Uh, it just teaches you so many lessons uh, in in life that I, I wouldn't trade it for anything uh, at all in the world. And, and still use those skills that you have to learn uh, every single day in the business world, or just who we have to interact with day in and day out. So uh, I look back on it as a blessing uh, more than more than a curse, and it was uh, it was an awful lot of fun.
1: Well, you talked about playing high school football when you were in Germany how different if at all is the game or the coaching um, practice is it is it at all different than what we do
2: yeah I think it comes to a surprise to to many uh, to to learn that it wasn't different at at all outside of the number of kids that you have uh, on a given football team I I think in my freshman and and sophomore years we, we had 23 at 26 guys on the football team. So everybody is going, uh, both ways, but the quality of football, uh, was just phenomenal. As a matter of fact, on the, the team that I was on, uh, in Germany, a number, uh, went on to play Division 1 football. Uh, a number of guys played at Army and then a couple guys played at Arkansas. Uh, as a matter of fact, on that team, we had two guys that ended up playing in the NFL. So, uh, Ron George, uh, and myself both ended up playing and, Um, Ron went to Stanford and then then played for Kansas City for a while, played with the Atlanta Falcons for a little while as well. So the quality of football uh, was just outstanding. And coaches that that you have, it's all volunteer coaches that that, that come in, but a number of those guys had spent time playing college football that were now in the Army. And uh, a couple of guys played pro ball, even for a cup of coffee. So the level of coaching that we received was was outstanding. Uh, And the level of talent and the level of play was excellent as well.
1: Eric, knowing you well enough, I know you're going to poo-poo this, but you were a really good high school athlete beyond football, right? Basketball team, varsity baseball team, and uh, playing football. So you were the triple threat, my friend.
2: Well, I, listen, triple threat—strong words there. <laughs> uh, and and I, I wouldn't necessarily put myself in a, in the great athlete. I was, I played. Um, Played baseball. Baseball was probably my favorite sport uh, until I started seeing guys that could throw a curveball up there, and then it was it was awful. And I knew right away that I wasn't going to be long for that. And uh, I did play basketball. As a matter of fact, I played. Uh, was living in Lexington, South Carolina at the time, and played varsity basketball when I was in the eighth grade. But again, you know, as soon as you get out there, and people figured out that you know, what if we just guard him at the three-point line? He's not going to be able to do anything. I had weaknesses that could be very quickly identified and exposed. So I did, <laughs> I, I did play everything growing up. Um, and boy, I, I wish for you know I've got five boys now, and, and the, the world is getting into specialization. If there's one thing I would love to see is some of that specialization go away, so you can go have fun and go play everything because it does make you a better athlete, uh, and just it keeps you healthier, it keeps you stronger because you develop different muscles for everything that you do. So I did it all growing up. I uh, wish that, that kids today could, could have an opportunity to do that more because it's just going more and more towards your pick a sport when you're six or seven when you have no idea how you're going to develop or what it's going to look like down the road for you. And, you know, kids get locked into just doing one thing. And, you know, so many times you see those kids burn out. So that the ability to play it all, if there's any encouragement I could give, is you know, let your kids go do it. Uh, definitely what I did and wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. So when
1: did you start playing quarterback? How early and when did you realize that might be a ticket to playing college football?
2: Well, I started playing football when I was 11. And I started playing quarterback the first time I did an Oklahoma drill. And it got run over. <laughs> so if I was going to play football, I, I knew I wasn't tough enough to play any position outside of quarterback. So that's what I did. Really from the jump, played a little bit of defense, but again, was um, not fast enough or or instinctive enough, I guess, in the defensive secondary to do uh, any good for our team. So I I got locked into playing quarterback, um, I guess, right off the bat. My first year I played, I played quarterback and uh, did it every single year uh, up until I finished playing.
1: So you're at uh, Marietta, and and I don't want to make this about me at all, but I I remember being 13 years old and hearing about this kid because that's when you really start to, like, pay attention to things like this. Right. Marietta, this kid named Eric Zier, who's – I mean, he's the cat's meow. He's the next great quarterback. Who knows where he's going to go? I want to know from your side, what was the recruitment like? How many schools? How crazy was the whole process?
2: Well, it was was crazy. And I I will tell you, you know, when I was coming from Germany, there were a lot of questions that I had for myself because at the time – that's what you heard about that first question that you asked around the quality of football, uh, over in Europe, when you're going through it, you really don't know, you know, I I had never played high school football here in the, in the, in the States. So was I going to be good enough? Was the quality that I thought the quality was good in hindsight. It was very, very good and really got me prepared. Uh, but I, I remember as I came over, there was, you know, there it was some noise and some, uh, some, uh, hubbub around me, me coming in, but I had questions on my, uh, on my own. And I remember the first time I stepped on the, 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 the field at Marietta and had an opportunity to go throw passes to a couple of our receivers, Shannon Ballard being one, Maurice Jones being another, that were just uh, fantastic athletes and receivers in their own right. And I knew right then that we had a chance to be pretty good and pretty special. And uh, so there was a lot of excitement going into that first year. And I think the heavy recruitment probably started two games into my junior year, which was my first year playing here. Uh, Auburn got on me early, but, Uh, It was, you know, every school in the country that I was receiving letters from probably five or six games into uh, into my junior season and narrowed that down pretty quickly to uh, my top six or seven schools that I'd want to go to Georgia, obviously being one of them. Uh, Notre Dame at the time they were running the option, so don't ask me why Notre Dame <laughs> was up there at the at the top of the of the list. But I took an official visit there. But uh, University of Miami was in, UCLA was in at the time, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, uh, all those teams were up there, and it was uh, it is a uh, hectic hectic time for all these young men that are going through it. It is exciting though, uh, but it's a lot of long days, long hours because you're. You're armed with recruiters pretty constantly and they are they are after you the way that they should be. Uh, so it's a lot to manage for guys in that situation.
1: So before I ask you about Georgia, and it was a different time, although it wasn't that long ago.
2: Without... Not at all. Wait, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago at all. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: Listen, I'm on your side, Zaire. You don't have to scream it, at me. Um, gracious. <laughs> without telling me who, were you offered things that maybe today you couldn't get away with recruiting?
2: I, I was not. I was not. And the um, I, I think I think that there is a a portion of that that can get overblown in society and uh you know and not to say that, that that we've we've all seen things that do go on uh but for the most part um you know and for my entire recruiting process you know never was there one thing that was was offered or even insinuated and and I made it pretty clear coming out too that. Uh, I just I didn't want to be any part of that game if it even existed, but you know for my for my process never saw never saw any of it,
1: so we took the plunge, yes, at the Chernoff house, the big renovations are going on, so it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects and for us, when it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, That's the promo code, Matt. They're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678-935-6901. Peachwood Floor Coverings, big company quality, small company services.
0: Home field advantage exists in baseball. Insurance, too. Your local Trusted Choice independent insurance agents are active members of your community. They'll always have you back. Find a local auto, home, or business insurance agent at TrustedChoice.com.
1: Folks, you just heard from Smoltzy, and you heard it from me as well. Clayton Rhodes and the Rhodes Group are my trusted choice for insurance agents. They've been my agent for a long time, and they serve all of Metro Atlanta. To get up to 10 auto insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes, visit Rhodes-Group.com slash churnoff today. That's rhodes Group. Dot com slash turnoff. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the daily draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's get it. The daily draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta. You're going to want to enjoy it at the daily draft. It's downtown Woodstock on main street. What you're going to find? A craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front-row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salads, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night. Thedailydraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like trivia night, kids eat free night, and more. Thedailydraft.net. Go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love the daily draft. So, George is kind of going through a transition, right? With Coach Dooley leaving in the late 80s and, and Coach Goff yeah. taking over, and they were a, a, a typical SEC team who ran the football. So what was their sales pitch to you to say, we want to you know, bring in this next era of, of SEC football thrown at Florida, you guys, and a few others?
2: Boy, Matt, that, that's, a, that's a great question. And uh, at the time when I was getting recruited, Florida State was actually number one on my list. Mark Rick was the offensive coordinator at that time at Florida State. And, of course, Bobby Bowden. And I had some family ties uh, into into Florida State. Uh, so they were they were number one and probably a clear number one. Although in my heart, Georgia was where I wanted to go, and, and uh, even from the minute that I moved back into Atlanta, that was really the spot that I wanted to wanted to be. Just from going up there with other friends and and things of that nature. Uh, but they were Georgia was was number two, maybe even number three on the list as I was uh, starting the the recruiting process. Uh, and then it was after my senior year. Uh, Ray Goff went out and hired Wayne McDuffie and Steve Ensminger. And their pitch, and exactly what they did do, was we're going to bring Florida State into Georgia and we're going to revamp the way we play offensive football. And uh, they actually coined it Operation Turnaround that, that we were all part of with Wayne McDuffie coming in. And uh, so that was it. And I had both of those guys come in uh, in the month of December. Uh, before signing day, and sit down, and we just spent hours on the on the whiteboard, walking through what the offense was going to, was going to look like and what they were implementing. And quite honestly, I, it's I, I knew in December that I was going to Georgia, and ended up committing uh, after my official visit, which was the uh, first week of uh, January. And, and as soon as I got done with that that visit, uh, I called Coach Golf up that Sunday, I guess, and said, "I'm in. Let's go." And then ended up going to school a couple of days. Uh, after that immediately following my commitment, but uh, as soon as I sat down with Wayne McDuffie and Steve Insminger, I knew at that moment that this was this was going to be homes where I wanted to go. They were bringing the offense in, and we had some amazing talent on the offensive side of the ball that was already there, so it made made the decision easy for sure
1: so uh, my memory plays tricks on me on this, but you came in, and I want to say Greg Talley might have been the starting quarterback before you yeah. finally took over mid season 6 7 games in is that how it played yeah, out
2: that is that's exactly what it was greg and i were actually named co-starters uh so greg started and, and i think it was 5 games into the year he started the first 5 games that i would come in and in relief and then uh old miss was actually the first game that i started it was on the road uh playing at old miss and, and Ole old miss had a at a solid football team but uh one that we matched up very well against so I think there was a comfort level in uh getting me as a as a freshman, true freshman into the game is uh in my first start there was a comfort level there. But uh you're you're spot on for the first five or six games of that year, I think it may have even been five games of that year, Greg and I split time where Greg would start and I would come in and release uh for whatever period of time that was. And and you know, first three or four games I think we were splitting time pretty equally and then Started to get weighted a little bit more where I was playing the majority of the football game, although not not starting.
1: How overwhelming or how different, or maybe not. I don't know. How how fast does it move when you're the freshman quarterback, even playing in in relief, or as you said, co-starting?
2: It it, it moves fast. The uh, you know, every jump that you make, it's not necessarily the size of the, the guys, which obviously is a big jump uh, at every level. It's the speed of the game that you have to catch up to and you really don't know if you can play at it and process all the information that you have to process uh, when everybody is a a top athlete. and and The jump is is almost identical, probably a little bit more going from the college level to the pro level uh, where the the speed, especially the speed of the, the interior linemen and the linebackers, it is just a different world. And it is a big jump. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, when I went to school early, you graduated high school early and got on campus, I, I was able to get through a lot of that uh, in spring ball where it was overwhelming how quick and how fast the, the game was moving. Once you get in and you learn that you can go play the game and you make a couple of throws into tight windows and uh, it, uh, the more film study you do, you can slow the game down, which is what happens uh, as you get in your, in your play. But the, the first time you step onto the field, it is moving at light speed.
1: So you guys went nine and three in that 1991 season, your That's freshman right. season. That's the, right. The next season is still one, and I know for Georgia fans, there's probably three or four seasons every fan base can pick out of and said, "Wow, what could have been." So that season, you guys were ten and two with this unbelievable offensive talent that I want you to go through. But it was a three point loss early to Tennessee, I think, in week two, and then maybe a two point loss. To Florida is that one of the seasons that you'll look back on and say, "Gosh, how close we were!"
2: Without, without question, without question, we we were amazingly talented. Um, you know, just to rattle off some of the names on the offensive side of the of the ball, we had Max Strong was there that played with Seattle for you know ten, twelve, thirteen years. Dearest and Hurst was on, was on that team and just had a remarkable season. Terrell Davis was on that, on that football team. Uh, You had receivers and uh, Andre Hastings and Bryce Hunter was coming up and, uh, you know, I'm going to leave a number of people out here, but we had a, a stout offensive line, nothing in, in comparison to, to what Georgia has put together now on the, on the offensive line, but uh, talented nonetheless with Bernard Williams, who was a, a first round pick and just a number of guys that were in there. So across the board, uh, just remarkably talented. We had great senior leadership uh, on that, on that football team had a ton of momentum behind us uh, as, as well in the two games that we lost. I I, I will tell you, we we did, um, if you go back and play those games ten times, we probably win eight of them. It's just what could go wrong did in those games. Uh, Against Tennessee early in the year when we lost by three, I think we had five turnovers uh, in that football game. We were driving to win the game at the end of the game and uh, cost it up again. And then uh, Florida, we scored early, and Florida went on a big run and, and stunned us a little bit. Uh, but after that, we were just making a constant march, getting back into the football game, and and, and just ran out of time. But uh, that is the the one year, at least in the four that I that I played there personally, that that we had a team that without question could have been in contention to win a national championship in a couple of breaks. Uh, one way or the other or, or back over to our side, uh, it would have been a, a tremendously different story uh, in, in how that, that season panned out. Still a good season, no question, uh, but one that um, that probably should have been uh, playing for the SEC championship and in the national title conversation.
1: And I know for somebody listening to this who's 25 or 30 who right now sees Tennessee just lost and Florida trying to rebuild – Explain to these folks just how good and the run that we saw Florida go on with Spurrier, and Tennessee was about to really embark from early 90s through the end of Phil Fulmer's era. I mean, that was a beast of an SEC East when it was built.
2: Yeah, it, it really was. I, I would almost, if you want to draw comparisons, and, and uh, it's not going to quite be this, but that, that Florida run that, that the Gators went on, uh, it, I, I would I would liken them to Alabama, not on the same level of Al- as Alabama, with what they've done under Saban. Uh, but but that's how dominant they were, especially in the East. Now it wasn't quite the same on the national on a national scale, and uh, of course the the college system was set up differently then. I think under the same kind of scenarios, that Florida teams could go out and beat anybody at any given time. Although there was some more parity with Florida State at the time that the Gators had to play year in and year out. But uh, the Gators dominated the SEC, no different than the way Alabama has dominated. Uh, and I would put Tennessee really in the category at that time when I was there uh, as as to where Georgia is right now, right on the brink of uh, of just being absolutely dominant. They were dominant, but getting dominant to that level where they're going to win national championships and compete for national championships year in and year out. Those were the two teams within the SEC and, and Alabama sprinkled in there a little bit in 92, um, that, that were just the dominant programs of the, of, of the time without questioning the SEC, but also on the national stage, uh, they, they were just bringing in amazing talent, a lot of guys that would go on and play in the pros and, Uh, in in the traditions at both of those schools, no different than Georgia and Alabama and so many schools in the SEC, uh, that when when they get rolling, they attract talent and kids want to go play for them. And that's where they work.
1: So Eric, you guys have a lot of, I'm sure, expectation like Georgia does every year after a 10 and two season. And and unfortunately, 1993 was a a five and six year. What happened?
2: We we had a couple of guys on on the offensive side of the ball that left early in garrison. And then uh, and Andre Hastings had a lot of that senior talent uh, that, that, w- that was the glue to that football team in, in 92 that had graduated and, and moved on. Um, and then we had Terrell Davis that, that uh, is a phenomenal football player, obviously, and everybody knows what he did in the pros. Uh, well, at the college level, he was just battling through injuries constantly. And, and, and we found ourselves almost forced into a position with the talent that we had uh, to go out and start throwing the football uh, around the yard as as much as we possibly could and uh, found some success with it. But when you talk about winning football, and this is the one thing that, that I, I chuckle with quite often uh, and, and scratch my head on is uh, there, there's so much commentary around let's, let's get more creative on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm talking about now with Georgia uh, and, and let's get a little more wide open. Well, the, the key to playing winning football and doing it consistently is you got to be great on defense and you have to be able to control the line of scrimmage and run the football. And we just weren't there in 93 with some of the injuries that we had, some of the loss to graduation. Uh, we had a lot of turnover on the defensive side of the ball in terms of coordinators and, and things of that nature. So when we had some talent, uh, we were always learning something new, at least on the defensive side. So guys were out thinking as a, as opposed to reacting. Um, And on the offensive side, they're just not in a position because of some of the injuries to dominate the line of scrimmage. And when you go play good football teams, you get beat there, which is why I love what the dogs are doing today and how they're building their team and what their recipe is for success. It is simple in nature, but very hard to execute in 93 and in 94, Uh, our Georgia Bulldogs uh, on on those teams that that I was on, just not in that position. So struggled some on the defensive side of the ball and and, and struggled running the football consistently in big-time, big-game situations. And when when that occurs, you're going to lose football games, and that's what happened.
1: Eric, if you had to look back, and that's where hindsight works on this, why do you think Ray Goff wasn't more successful and didn't have a longer tenure at Georgia?
2: Yeah, you know, the. Um, I, I think you can just boil it down to uh, we had Coach Goff is a great man and a great recruiter of, of talent and even to this day would do anything for the, the people that were on his, on his team. But if you just boil it right down to why, why weren't we more successful, I, I think it gets traced back to in the trenches we weren't dominant. We were good but we weren't dominant. And to play at the national elite level, you've seen what, what Kirby's done um, and, and what his statement was coming in, is that we're going to get bigger, we're going to get stronger, and we're going to get tougher up front. Uh, if you're going to win in the SEC and you're going to win on the national scale, you've got to dominate the line of scrimmage. And for the four years, really three of the four years that that I was at Georgia, we were we were unable to dominate the line of scrimmage consistently we could do it in spurts just couldn't do it all the time Uh, and I don't care how much skill you've got in the skilled positions or how much talent you have in the skilled positions if you're not great in those two areas it's hard to win football games
1: so we took the plunge yes at the off house the big renovations are going on so it comes down to making the right choices when you want to do some of these renovation projects and for us When it came down to flooring and carpet, we wanted to work with a great local company that we know could get the job done. That's why we turned to Peachwood Floor Coverings. I got a chance to meet Ryan Cornell and the great folks from Peachwood. When I say meet them, we got in touch with Ryan. 48 hours later, they came out to our home to start setting up measurements and looking at potential options for flooring and carpeting choices. It was beautiful. I love the process. It was just that easy. And right now, the process can be that easy for you. If you go to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, you can schedule a consultation. They'll come out to your home. And all this month, if you mention Matt, that's the promo code Matt, they're going to save you 10% on that flooring or carpet installation that you've always wanted. You want it easy, you want the process done quickly, and you want it to look beautiful. We're getting all that done with Peachwood Floor Coverings. Again, go online to peachwoodfloorcoverings.com, or you can call them at 678- 935 6901. Peachwood floor coverings, big company quality, small company services.
0: Hey, are you tired of shopping your car and home insurance every single year? Well, somebody's got to do it. But that somebody doesn't
1: have to be you. At the Rhodes Group, we can get you up to 10 insurance quotes in less than 10 minutes. Visit us online today at Rhodes Group.com. It's a new year, which means it's time to try something new. And I'm talking to you folks who have not yet tried the Daily Draft in downtown Woodstock. I hope you'll go see my friend Sean Daly. That's get it. The Daily Draft. This is the ultimate sports bar experience. So as the football playoffs near and then baseball's around the corner, knock on wood, and all the fun springtime things that will happen in Atlanta, you're going to want to enjoy it at the Daily Draft. It's downtown Woodstock on Main Street. What you're going to find? A craft beer bar, self-serve taps, uh, big screens all around you to catch every view of the big game. And when I say a big screen, they have a movie-sized screen with a front row seat right in front of it that you can grab if you get there at the right time to enjoy all your favorite games. A chef-inspired menu with soup, salads, sandwiches, flatbreads, uh, you name it, they have everything to find everybody exactly what they want when you're going with the family, a boys' night, or a date night the dailydraft.net is where you can find all the information about some of the nights like trivia night, kids eat free night and more. thedailydraft.net go find them downtown Woodstock on Main Street. Tell them Matt sent you. You'll love the daily draft. So, I mean the numbers speak for themselves. An unbelievable career in Athens. The next step is starting to hear the, you know, talk about the draft and doing the whole process of hiring an agent and going through the the whole sure. um, the whole process. What was that like from you? From the point where you started thinking about your pro career, hiring the agent, talking to NFL teams overwhelming, or did you kind of take it in stride?
2: No, I, I think I took it in stride. I mean, it was uh, it's it's obviously different than uh, than the recruiting process, but uh, it's something that you get um, uh, adapted to pretty quickly. Uh, I was fortunate that you know I, I had uh, some some close family friends that were in the agent business that I, that I ended up going with and. Uh, you know, even beyond that, there are so many talented agents that are here locally uh, in Atlanta that, that you get a chance to know that do it the right way. So that that part of it was was pretty easy. And then it's just going out and and playing the game of football that, that, that you love. And uh, of course, the difference comes in because it it is a business and it's, you know, you're going against guys that are now 10 years older or 12 years older. Uh, so the level of talent without question is raised. But uh, it, it's still playing football and, you know, outside of, of moving into a brand new, new town at that time for me, it was, it was Cleveland outside of moving in and getting adapted and adjusted. Uh, it, you are, you were just locked into doing football 24 hours a day, uh, what you love so it is it's easy to go do it is a blessing to go do um now playing the game of football against the, the kind of talent there uh there no doubt that is a is a challenge for everybody in adapting to the nfl game but in terms of going through that process it, it was really something simple i had great counselors and, and great uh advice going into it and was able to go heed that and uh so it made that part of it uh or that part of the transition pretty seamless
1: Did you? Well, actually, I'm asking this way. What did you hear about where you might be going in the draft? And did you have any notion that Cleveland was interested?
2: So, where I went in the draft was about where I thought I would go from from everything that I was hearing. I was I was hearing anywhere from late second round to. Uh, early fourth round is, is what I was hearing. Of course, the big knock, uh, on me at the time was, was my height. The game has changed a little bit where that's starting to diminish, but the, the style of play that was being done, no question it helped if you were a six three or six four kind of guy. Uh, even today that, that takes hold, but you're seeing more and more of the, the college style of offenses getting, uh, into the pro game, uh, which is changing that dynamic somewhat. I think the, the success of, uh, Wilson and Drew Brees is, is playing into that to some extent. Um, but, but that's where I heard I was going to go. Cleveland, though, was not on the radar at all. If anywhere, I thought it was going to be the Philadelphia Eagles. John Gruden at the time was actually the, uh, offensive coordinator for the Eagles. And we had a tremendous relationship. Uh, and, and it was stated that he was going to come get me. Uh, we just didn't know when that was going to be. Cleveland ended up drafting or, or trading up in the draft. Uh, and pick me i'm not sure if it was in front of philadelphia or not but if i had to to place a bet on where i was going to go it was going to be with john gruden um at uh at philadelphia cleveland was super far down the list the workout that i had on campus for cleveland uh it was a day this is probably why they drafted me it was a it was a day the weather was miserable it was about 20 degrees and i was on the turf the old turf field uh, there in Athens uh, and the the balls were frozen it was freezing cold it was rainy and had a decent workout for them but not a great one and really afterwards I thought there's no way that that Cleveland's going to draft me after that uh, and sure enough they picked me and uh, had a chance to go up there and, and spend one year with Belichick but before the whole transition took place with a where the team moved and they replaced Belichick uh, but it was uh, you could tell even then that uh, the, the man was a genius for the game of football and, and did it the right way so it was it was awesome being able to play for him just unfortunate that it uh, shook out the way it did
1: yeah well tell me about that I mean the, whether the phone call or the first meeting playing for Belichick what was that like how intense was he and Eric remind our listeners that that was like an all-star staff around him in Cleveland correct
2: for it, it was unbelievable the, the the kind of talent Kirk Ferentz was was on that uh, uh was on that team as a head coach you have uh, a couple of the other coaches that, that, you know, ended up being head coaches at the, at the college. It just goes on and on and on with uh, the kind of talent that we had on the coaching staff. Um, the intensity of Bill Belichick is undeniable. It is from the minute that you step into his organization, he's got a very uh, distinct way around how he wants to run a program and what he expects and if you get out of line at all, you're just not going to be a part of what he's trying to build. And I think it just it, it goes to all the success he's had at, at New England, all the guys that he's able to bring in and almost reform their careers or, or reestablish their careers. He's got a clear idea on how he wants to use you. Uh, he, he relies on you being a football player, not just being a specialist at a, at a position. Uh, and he expects you to be selfless, and, and that's exactly the way he runs it. It is very hardcore. It is no nonsense. You were there to to be the best football player you can be. He demands it, and he gets it out of you.
1: It's worth mentioning too. Michael Lombardi was in that front office, and Ozzy Newsom right. and Thomas Dimitrov was coming through there, and it was just you know, they, they had a who's who. So that year before you came in, they were a, a double-digit win team, and they were Super Bowl discussions with Cleveland so tell me about the expectation when you got there and just about the experience what was Cleveland like for you coming from Athens and coming from Marietta Georgia
2: so so Cleveland was great and and you're right the expectations were were off the charts uh at, at that time you know a handful of years before you had uh the the drive by by Denver that you know broke everybody's heart for a couple of years in a row and uh they were kind of regaining some momentum very close to the year before. Um, so we, we start that season off with a tremendous amount of, of talent on the on the football team, uh, get off to a, a so-so start. I remember I came in and uh, ended up doing the starting job about five, six, seven games into the end of the year when we weren't hitting expectations, not playing bad, just not hitting expectations. Um, and then uh, won a couple of football games, trying to kind of get back into the, Uh, into the playoff discussion and playoff mix. And then midway through the year, maybe three-quarters of the way through the year, uh, we were coming back from Cincinnati. Uh, Matter of fact, it was my first start. We were coming back from Cincinnati, and the announcement was made that the team was moving uh, from Cleveland to Baltimore. And Cleveland went from, at the time, being one of the best football towns you could be in anywhere. Uh, it, It obviously holds so much for Dixon. it was an iconic place to be uh in and play an an iconic organization to be at the minute that that move was announced the everything surrounding the team changed The, the the town turned on us not necessarily on the players but obviously turned on the on the organization so everybody was upset everybody was mad and uh, the the distraction that that caused. You, you would like to say that in sports or in business and life that you can block out the the noise, the excuses that can come in from the outside things that, that you don't control. And the great ones do this. They block those, all those distractions and all that noise out. and They stay focused into the task at, at hand, but there was, there was so much or so many questions that surrounded where we were going to go. How are we going to make the transition? Now, who was going to be our head coach as as we get this fresh start and, and new start and guys on the team with kids were thinking about moving their kids and having to sell homes. And it the the distraction that it created really just crumbled the football team. And uh, it was unfortunate because if, if that group, that team would have stayed together, uh, I don't think there's any question that given time, that could have been a team that, that could have been in the Super Bowl conversations and uh, playing for them and winning them. Uh, but as it turned out, the, the, so much of that uh, noise around the program it, it just got us got into us internally and and crumbled the football team and and we struggled there and struggled even in Baltimore really to get back up to the level that the talent the team should have been playing at.
1: did you hear rumblings before the announcement was made, or how much talk was leading
2: up to it but there was there wasn't a whole lot of talk there, there were some rumblings that were taking place, uh, but up until the actual announcement that, that was made that the team did a good job of keeping that blocked and, out and not even focused on it, not worrying about it. So when the, when the, the news actually hit, it was a shock. And I think everybody thought it was going to blow over and uh, Art Modell was going to get what he wanted and we were going to, we were going to stay in Cleveland and, and it was going to be business as usual. Uh, so the, 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 there were rumblings there, but there by by no means was there any inclination that the move was actually going to happen. So, when it did happen uh, that's when the chaos uh ensued and, and it's um again just unfortunate it rolled out the way that it uh that, that it did we were fortunate to go to a great a great city in baltimore that welcomed us with open arms but it was a it was a tough move for a lot of guys on that football team
1: so then you you play for a few seasons in baltimore but you, boy you were so close i mean you leave in 98 they win the super bowl just two seasons later I mean, is that a a bittersweet thing for you, or are you kind of understanding just how the business is, and it didn't really sort of bother you when you moved to Tampa?
2: Well, a, the same thing happened in Tampa too. Is is a couple of years after I left uh, uh, Tampa when it went on to win the Super Bowl, and while I was at Tampa, we were you know a couple of plays away from getting to the Super Bowl. So, so I had some some very very good teams, and you could tell, especially in Baltimore, the the talent that we were drafting and and bringing in, we were building a a juggernaut and uh that a coaching change there Ted Marchabrota was the coach and uh the uh so after that coaching change was was made uh, there there were a few moves that were made I ended up getting traded to to Tampa and, and never really looked back on it there's so much movement in the NFL uh, that that you don't look back on it with any kind of of bitterness uh, because I actually got traded into a situation where we were a hair away from getting to the Super Bowl uh in Tampa so got traded into a into a good position um but it was it, it was actually neat to see cuz so many of those guys that uh I had cut my teeth in the NFL with uh were still on that team so you're more happy for them and the accomplishments that they made than you are bitter about uh any any anything personal um So good to see. It would have been great to be on those teams, but I'll tell you we had opportunities where I was. uh It got close, uh got close a couple of times. So look back on that with, with nothing but fine memories. So after
1: Tampa in 2000, you're what, 28 or 29 years old. What was, that's right? yeah. What was going on around the league? Were there calls coming in or nothing that, that appealed or how does it work out where you don't play the next season?
2: Well, got, got traded up to, uh, to Atlanta. So I, I was on, on the, the roster with the Falcons and, uh, that off season during the during the draft, we traded up to to go get Michael Vick. I've heard of him. At, yeah, I have too. And you know, I knew obviously I should have known as soon as he got drafted. I really knew I was in trouble when in the off season we were running forties next to each other, and he finished with his forty, and I was still halfway done with mine. <laughs> so I, I had that next two or three seconds to really say, okay, it's time to start moving on and. <laughs> You know, fortunately, I was back in Atlanta, so uh, you know, from a from a business standpoint and perspective, uh, th- there were going to be some opportunities there. Uh, obviously, not what I wanted to do. I wanted to continue playing and uh, live out the dream that I had, had since I was 10 years old. But um, uh, you know, with with Chris Chandler was on the team and was well established and uh, a fantastic quarterback in his own right, and uh, you, you bring Michael Vick in as the heir apparent, uh, there was just no room left. and, uh, you know, I, I made it to the last cut of the season, and once you get, once you get to that point, rosters are pretty much set. So it was going to be tough to get picked back up. I had a couple of tryouts after, uh, uh, after I had been released during the season, uh, but uh, between you know my knees getting to a point where it was going to be tough to get around at the level I needed to get around to play at an elite level. Uh, between between that and you know a handful of other things that were that were taking place with new talent coming into the league and uh, you name it, it the, the writing was on the wall and I never wanted to be one to to hold on to the detriment of of my family and those around me uh, and was able to move into the into the business world here in Atlanta uh, after that so the uh, it was it was time it was clear cut uh, when when the league said you're out. Uh, it was. It didn't take a genius to see that you know, this, this is the time. It was a great run. Wish it could have been a little bit better. Uh, didn't quite accomplish what I wanted to accomplish uh, at, that, uh, at the pro level, but wouldn't trade the journey for anything in the world.
1: You tried the Arena League for a minute. And I remember we were actually covering games when you were uh, trying to see if that would work for the Georgia Force. That was just a – I mean, that's culture shock for a guy who's played, quote, traditional football, right? It,
2: it was – it was a completely different game i you know when i when i went in to go go do it it really was a bridge to just to keep playing the game and 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 make my way back into the nfl and uh the game is 100% different it is uh, it is a <laughs> you're still throwing a football around but it is a completely different completely different game and uh that really goes back to the comment that i just made i i, I knew that my my time was uh, over and it was time to move on to the next chapter of my life and I've never been one It's probably the the army upbringing uh, being an army brat where uh, you know the, the the past is behind you and you live life for today and you live life for for what you're trying to set out and accomplish in the future and and I knew at that time that that you know my time playing football had come to an end and it's, it's what am I going to do with the next chapters of my life and uh, so yeah we we, we gave it a, a quick shot but it was a completely different game a completely different environment and really just solidified the fact that it was time to move on
1: so tell me about post football eric zire
2: well uh, so post football is uh is very similar to uh to, to who i am and and uh what i did when i was was playing the game it's a you know, my, my approach to to life, to business, to everything really uh, hasn't changed at, at all. It's just what I go do is different and uh I've been in the mortgage business since uh since I got retired from playing football and blessed and fortunate to to do that on a daily basis and got the call in two thousand and seven actually, uh as Larry Munson, the great Larry Munson, uh got to a point with his health that he could not uh travel and make it to away games. I got tapped on the shoulder to to come call those away games and uh as as Larry stepped down and fully retired and Scott Howard moved into into his role uh, that opportunity was there to move into the the color analyst seat and I, I will tell you I've loved every single minute of it uh I get to be a uh the, the world's greatest fan that that gets to talk about the games as they're, as they're taking place and uh, have loved it it's you know, to be able to stay involved with the University of Georgia that has meant so much to me in my life Uh, and to be able to do that uh, every single weekend in the falls uh, is just a tremendous, tremendous honor uh, to go do and uh, to, to see the run that the dogs are on right now. It's exciting to be a part of it, even in a very, very small way and get to interact with, you know, so many other people that I've grown close to uh, yourself included in this, uh, you know, over the years, talking about what we love to talk about is—it's uh, just a—it's a dream come true, really, to be able to stay involved like that.
1: Well, Eric, I appreciate the time, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. You've always been one of the more gracious—I think—people with your time, and uh, I think always one of the more positive people, which—which which I think a lot of people around uh, here appreciate. So, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. Continued success, and thanks for the time.
2: You bet, my friend. You keep up the great work as well, and I appreciate the time.
1: Thanks, everybody, so much for taking the time to listen to this week's edition of Welcome to Atlanta. Thanks to our producer, Matt Lear, for his assistance with the program. He's the glue that keeps the operation running. We'll talk to you next week on Welcome to Matlana.
0: Welcome to Atlanta where the players
1: play and we ride on them things like every day. Big beats, hit street seat gangsters roaming and parties don't stop till 8 in the morning. Welcome to Atlanta where the players
0: play and we ride on them things like every day.
2: Big beats, hit streets, seat gangsters. Roll uh-huh. it.
0: Make the most out of your daily commute or next road trip in a new Audi from Audi Atlanta. And what better way to do it than behind the wheel of a stylish Audi A5 Sportback. Hey, it's Finn, along with my friends at Audi Atlanta, here to introduce this city to the Audi A5 Sportback. With a versatile and athletic design, the beauty lies within. Combining the sleekness of a coupe with the practicality of a four-door hatchback. And right now, you can lease the Audi A5 Sportback for $537 per month. Find yours at audiatlanta.com. And use the Jim Ellis Expressway to start or complete your entire purchase online or shop in person on Petrie Boulevard just inside the perimeter. Experience the thrill of driving like never before at Audi Atlanta. Offer applies to a 36-month lease, 2024 Audi A5 Sportback 40, 537 per month, 10,000 miles per year with 4731 due at signing. Example stock number A25954, MSRP 49905, excludes tax, tag, and title fees. Offer expires 531.24 with approved credit.